you guys doing today? Awesome. Hey, welcome to the remnant. This is so weird. Tim, are you hearing this? Is this on? I'm just so I'm just crazy. That's fair. If it's your first time here, I definitely look crazy. Um. So I don't know if you mentioned this. If you see a bunch, of, I think he did. These shirts. We'll explain that at the end. If you're watching from the stream, check our website out, and then we'll explain more about Lionheart. But it's a pretty exciting day, exciting week for that program. Um, pretty intense men's program. So the guys that are wearing that shirt earned it. Um, I can tell you that. It's not a joke. So um, we'll be doing the next crusade. We don't know what we're calling it yet. Chap, something. Here, here in December. So if you're interested in that, you can go find a guy that has this shirt on, and they'll let you know what to do and who to go talk to, etc. So um, I don't know about you guys, and I, I say this a lot, but I tend to think about my faith all the time. I think about what it is to be a Christian all the time. And I feel like when I say that, you're like, yeah, you're supposed to. But I mean, outside of this position that I have, I think about it all the time because I'm, I'm fascinated, confused, uh, frustrated with what I see in the Bible and the way that I, I, not even other people, I live it out. Or the differences, I'm really fascinated, and it's hard to do this, okay, with the differences between Christianity, the Word, and when I see, when I read about Jesus. And I think about it all the time. And if you're here, you know that. I bring it up all the time. I, I think about it all the time. And so I want to ask you guys a question. Do you ever ask yourself, and, and really let yourself be honest, do you ever ask yourself if how you live your life and how you live your faith lines up with the Bible. Now listen, not sin. We'll get to that. Day-to-day living, sinning. Certainly, right? We're not talking about that. I'm talking about just the day-to-day living. Does your life and the way you live your faith out, does it match what the Bible says? Or is it sort of a diluted version? Is it sort of like Jesus light? Does the Christianity you live out as true actually line up with what, the, with what God says? And here's the one that gets me. Even more so, what God promises. I'll let you sit for that for a second. Because some of you still, you're coming, you're burping from dinner. You're struggling. I'm, t- I'm serious. Let you, because here's the thing. Why this, why this, before we even move on. If you don't ever ask yourself this, you're not, you're not going to get anything out of this. You're not. Because you, you're okay. To me... If I'm not doing what it says, if I soften what God says, if I don't believe what God says, and I know if I believe it by how I live my life out, put aside sin. We already know that's a story. I'm talking about the positive sides. Do you live as though Jesus Christ is the risen king? Now, here's the thing. Some of you in this room and some of you watching online, you'll never say this. You'll never admit it. And I hope today's the day you stop. But you're content with Christian light. Because it fulfills what you want. It gives you the social club, it gives you friends, and it gives you something to feel good about when you go tell everybody the ways you serve. So you're okay with that. And when people say things like I'm saying right now, you're mad. So if you're one of the people in the room already mad, there's your clue that you're okay with Christian light. Because I haven't even gotten to the point yet, and you're already mad. To me, and I'm not supposed to say this as a pastor, you ready? If I'm not, if we don't believe what it says then we shouldn't even call it, we shouldn't do this. I'm serious. 
There's no place in here, and, and it's hard because we live in a modern world where everything infiltrates our faith. It does. You're, you're, you're very logical. <laughs> I know what water particles are. Blah, blah, blah. You, I've seen microscopes. You think, as droopy dog mixed with a scientist. Anyway, you think that you know. We think that we know so much that we can't really live out the kind of faith that the Bible describes. We're too smart. That's the problem. So before I go on, take a second and ask yourself that. Do you believe that blind people saw? Do you believe that lame people walked? Do you believe that a man sat in a grave for three days and was raised from the dead? If you don't believe it, you're not a Christian. Period. And that's okay. You're still welcome here. As long as you're open. Because I'd rather be the people in the room who flat out say I'm not Cool. I can, we can work together and we can talk and explore. But those in the room that say that you are, but you deny those fundamental realities, you're not. I'm not. Do you make excuses for God? Like he needs your help? When he doesn't come through, you got to make sure you have a reason why he didn't come through. You know, a lot of religious... A lot of Pharisaical, we'll talk about it in the next three weeks. You're going to come check out our next series, Heresy. I'm really going to make people mad. Anyway, one of the things people do, I know, it's going to be weird. I'm scared about it. Well, one of the things people do is in um, legalistic systems is what they're really doing is making excuses for God. They're saying whenever something happens or doesn't happen, it's you. It's your sin. It's your failings. It's your flaws. It's you didn't pray enough, give enough, do enough. You, you, you. He doesn't need your excuses. Here's the truth that I had to ask myself in the mirror, and you're going to ask yourself today. Is it real or is it not? And if it's real, what do we do with the things that he says that seem crazy? Do you make excuses for God? You want to know a way that you can make excuses that's not that? Uh, aggressive? Do you edit what you pray? Do you edit what you pray? That's, you know, when you say things like, that's, a, I, I would go to God, but it's so small. What I have so small. So you, you get to be the filter. Well, I would pray for God, but there's no way he can, like, what's he going to do, make a money tree appear? He could. Do you edit how you pray? Because if you do, you are making excuses for God. Do you live like our faith is more of a, I hope so? Think about that. I hope so. Let me ask you guys a question. And, and you got to let yourself answer honestly. I'm even going to give you a, a dramatic pause because I want you to think about it. Is there something in your life that's been hindering you for a long time? could be situational. My marriage is ugly. I have no money. I have a health issue. I have no friends. I have a depression that won't go away. I've done everything. I'm taking, I'm taking the medication. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. There's no hope for me anymore because the doctor said, that's it. Take the pills. If the pills don't work, I don't know what to tell you. Are you in a situation that you honestly don't see any way out of? Be honest. And you've accepted it so much that you've quit even thinking about it. You'll pray about other things, but that's the thing. There's no point. 
There's no point. Have you had the same struggle for so long that you've kind of accepted this is what life is? And honestly, you should just be thankful that God has been willing to give you this much. At least I'm alive. I shouldn't ask for any more than that. Be honest. Have you given up hope that God can actually do? Stay with me. Have you given up hope that God can actually do any better than he's already done in your life? Say it again because I know you got distracted. Have you given up hope that God can do any better than he's already done in your life? In whatever way that is. You've accepted that this is the best life will ever be. This is the best this situation will ever be. This is the best my marriage will ever be. This is singleness, I'll accept it. This is my financial situation, I'll never get better. This is my depression, I'll never get better. I've accepted this is life, i got to be realistic. All the while seeing you believe a man was raised from the dead. I limit God all the time. I do. And also, I'm not supposed to tell you that. I limit God all the time. I'm so scared to believe that he will come through, that I live as though he won't, because that's how I view people. If I don't expect you to come through for me, you don't let me down. And because I love him, I don't put him to the test, so he never has to let me down because I love him so much I don't want to be discouraged by him. I do. I'm so scared to believe he'll come through, that I live as though he won't, and, and kind of like a, a starving kid, poor starving child, that I'll accept any crumb I can get from the table and say, thank you, that's all I deserve, and I'll walk away with my crumb thinking that's the, I should just be thankful for that crumb. He's my father. And I act like a dog. I'm so scared to believe that there's more, or God has more for me than good enough. Often because, and if I'm honest with you, you want to know what things I can say? Could be worse. How sad of a life that many of you in this room today live that you live in could be worse. You've given up hope of even could be better. It could be worse. We limit God and we settle because we think this is it. I had a trick some people. I had some people in this room fill out cards. I don't know who they are. And I asked them to write down things that they're struggling with, things that they don't, that's not gotten any better, that it doesn't, you know, there's no hope. This person says, I struggle to believe I'm good enough or worthy enough for people, or that God's promises to me will ever be true. I'm struggling with feeling like it'd be better if I wasn't even around. Not good enough to the point where my spouse will leave me. It's inevitable. I'm not good enough. I get used by people over and over and over and over again, and I can't stop it. I can't stop this. I'm in a cycle I can't stop. I'm so anxious. It's destroying my relationships, joy, and will to live. And you can keep saying over and over, just feel better, but no, it doesn't work. God must not mean what he said when he said, do not worry. Do not be anxious about anything. Because that's what it is, right? I'm failing as a dad and husband. I struggle constantly worrying about everything. There it is, that worry again. Not feeling God or passionate. My finances, my emotions. If you uh, are new here, we have something called Real Talk. It's where we have, uh, it's a web series where people can click a link and ask an anonymous question. And this is one I got this week. And if it was you, 
Don't worry, I can't find you, but if not, and I'm not going to answer today, but I want you to hear where people live. It says, if you make a mistake in life so bad that you can't come back from, how, from it, how can you come back to God? How can you make life better? How can it ever get better? It's not possible. Health issues, financial issues, relationships so broken that it doesn't seem possible to ever be better. And before you guys think that, I've seen it. I've seen couples who are faithful to each other because they love God and love each other, but they recognize this is it. I'm only in it because I made a promise to God. That's it. Some of you walk around and you go to church and you wonder, right? I had a guy tell me one time when I was talking to him about church and life, and he said, what more do you want from me? I give my offering and I come. I don't know, man. I want life for you. Families that are broken. I've got that. I've got family relationships that I have given up hope of ever being better. I have. I don't believe it's possible. I'm gonna, I don't believe it's possible. People lose their jobs. You're never going to get out of that hole, right? Failings, fears, anxieties, depression so deep and so thick. You know, it's funny, isn't it? People keep saying, just get over it. And you're saying, I'm trying everything inside of me. I'm trying. But all it feels like is I'm just drowning in quicksand. It's just a matter of time. You haven't even given up hope of getting out. You're just trying to slow before you die. Yeah, I prayed, but if the medicine doesn't work, then there's no hope. Yeah, we prayed, but we need to settle for this good enough. We need to settle for the never will be better. We try to make God less active, guys. God is active. We try to make God less active. We try to make God safe. Because even if, and this is weird. This is how humans are. Ready for a deep thought? I know people think I'm dumb because I'm big. Here's the thing. Here's the reality. We would rather have a God that doesn't move in miraculous ways because at least he's predictable and safe. We settle for a God that's less miraculous. Think about that. We settle for what the world tells us God can do and what he will do. Instead of the Bible telling us, we let some talking head tell us what's possible. Even if the talking head tells us something that's contrary to what God himself said. Well, Todd, what do you mean the Bible is man, man-made? Can I give you one thing that you're, you're, you think you're so intellectual? I'm going to destroy this in two seconds. If God created the sun, moon, stars, and earth, right? If a creator exists, could he use humanity to write his words down and protect it throughout history? Yes or no? Okay, you look ridiculous. Stop using that argument. Come up with a better one. There's better arguments for, against the existence of God than that. That one annoys me. Internet people, quit doing that one. We settle for what the world tells us to do. But when I read the Bible, guys, listen, this is why I tell you to read it. When I read the Bible, I see a different God. That's where some of your frustration comes from. You don't hate the church. You don't hate Christ. You hate the version they've given you that is not alive. It's a dead faith because it's a faith in a Jesus that isn't the Jesus of the Bible. Because a watered-down Jesus isn't Jesus. I see a different story. I see a God who is not a God of good enough, but a God of better than we can imagine. I see a God who loves his children. Listen, loves them. Who wants to provide for them, not the bare minimum, but in an overflowing, overwhelming kind of way. That's reality. That's not prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that. You guys stick around long enough. You know I tell you the hard parts, but I'm not going to hide from the good parts. 
I see a God that when things seem the most hopeless, it's throughout the Bible. When things seem the most hopeless, when things seem good enough, I see a God that is not done. He's not done. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. A very little section, starting at verse 22 and going through verse 25. This is in the middle of Jesus' ministry. I'll talk about it in a second. He actually just fed the 4,000. He feeds 5,000, then he feeds 4,000. You guys, there's a bunch of times he feeds people, okay? That's crazy. Stop. I know. Christians, look at me. I know you hear it. I know. You're good. You've taught it. You know the story. 4,000 people. 4,000 people. I could stop right there. That's a miracle, but I'm not. All right? After that, this is what happens. Then they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. When it's him with a capital H, who is it? There you go. They brought a blind man to him. Then they came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village. Excuse me. Spitting on his eyes. (laughs) We gloss over that one. That's weird. Can you just envision? You're like, we see Jesus floating around, right? His clothes aren't dirty. And then he just goes, (laughs) right? So he spits on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, The blind man, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look to me like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes, and he saw distinctly. He was cured and could see everything clearly. Now, I love picking on you Christians. I'm one of us, so I can do it, right? I can pick on us. I know you know the story. I know, you zoned out when you heard about the blind guy. Stay with me. A couple things I want to point out. In the middle of miracles, this happens. That's good, you like that? In the middle, that's a book title. In the middle of miracles, this happens. Jesus had just fed the 4,000 people that were following him. I love this, by the way. He says, I have compassion on them because I don't want, they've been following me and listening. I don't want to send them home hungry because some of them might pass out. Such a human thing, right? such a little thing. But he loved them enough to give them bread when they're hungry. Hmm. Not crumbs, I'll get to that. 4,000 with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. There's a miracle that you guys are going, I know this is a parable about life. It's not real. No, he took seven loaves of bread, a few fish, and he fed 4,000 people with enough for baskets full left over. Okay? That's magical. It's mystical. That's supernatural. That's a miracle. Right after this, I didn't highlight this, so he does this. The disciples, his apostles that we later learn, they're with him. They're in a boat. And I think this is absolutely hilarious. You guys miss a lot if you don't read everything. They're in a boat, and it says that they start murmuring and arguing because they don't have enough bread to eat. Now, before you laugh, some of you would do that. We go out, and we give away a bunch of money, let's say, and you go, I don't have $5. Why didn't Jesus give me any money? Right? How are we going to make it? Jesus took all our bread and fed 4,000 people with it. And then Jesus said, how many people did I feed? 4,000. He actually says, he goes, do you still not get it? He says that, right? Do you still not get it? Jesus had to remind them of who they were taught. This is good. In that moment, it's not even the point of us, just a little bonus, the point of our message. Jesus had to remind them of who they were talking to. (laughs) When you're praying, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who you're talking to? The great I am. The Lord of Lord, King of Kings, the Creator of the Earth, He spoke and light happened. Right? 
God, your Father, by the way. By him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. That's what Abba means, really. It's the closest. Anyway, it reminded them of who they were and how ridiculous it was that they were worried about if they would have enough to eat. I like these moments. It's cocky, Jesus, in my head. He's like, <laughs> you see what I did? You're worried about what you're going to eat? Then this section pops up. Now I'm going to help you. I love you that much. Tiffany, I love you this much. I'm going to help you take your Christian earmuffs off. And we're going to go through this for a second. Listen, it says this. First of all, he, a man is completely blind. He is blind. Wide eyes, maybe, I don't know. He does, I don't know what it looked like. He couldn't see anything. Blackness, dark, completely. We're not talking glaucoma. We're talking blind. Can't see at all. No light, nothing. Let me ask you guys a question. Do blind people get healed? Right? You know the answer. Typically, in human nature, can I give a guy a pill and he can see? No. Did you know, isn't that crazy? We can take a heart out of a person, put it in another person, and they, it will work, but we cannot fix someone's eyesight if they're completely blind. We still, we, we think we're pretty smart, but we still can't do what Jesus did like that. Completely blind. Even now today with our modern medicine, can we fix straight blindness completely? No. We can't. So on top of that, guys, so back then, also impossible. Blind people don't see. That's why if you go, there's sections where they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, this, we'll handle other miracles. They, they could literally accept certain miracles, but like blind people seeing, no. Because it's so impossible. It's so impossible. So on top of that, guys, you need to understand that there was a common belief during this time that when someone was blind or had a deformity or had a disease they were born with, that it had to do with their sin or their parents' sin. They did something wrong. He would have been raised to believe that and accept that. This is my lot in life. I have to accept it. Because why? Everybody told him that. Everybody told him that. I'm about to throw up a podium. Don't yawn right now. I'm looking at you. All right? Right? Sorry, that's a guy I know. <laughs> in case people are watching. This was a fact, guys. It wasn't going to get any better. This was his good enough. At least I'm alive. Could be worse. I could be a leper. Not getting touched. So, this is what happens. So then Jesus spits on the man's eyes. Let me come and spit in your eye. All right? That's how I envision it when. I think it's real gross. Just spit in his eyes. It didn't say he, because we tend to, when they do it in, in movies, sometimes they're like, he goes, no, he just went, Right? Rubbed his eyes. And then he says, he asked the man, do you see anything? Now, apparently, at this point, the man all of a sudden could partially see. Now we might be looking at glaucoma. He was kind of seen. He could see shapes. Imagine going from seeing nothing to seeing light. Imagine going from seeing nothing to seeing shapes. Would that not be a miracle in and of itself? Yes or no? Yes. If you're blind, right, you take for granted what you don't have. A blind man that can all of a sudden see people that look like walking trees is going to be like, he's probably dancing. We don't see anything where he's complaining. He's like, do you see? He's like, yeah, I see some walking trees. This is great. But he wasn't done. Think about the miracle. Go from seeing nothing to making shape, seeing life for the first time he's blind. It was a miracle, a literal miracle. If we stopped the story now, we would go, that's miraculous, right? That's good enough. But Jesus, he was not done. 
It says in verse 25, And again Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes, and he saw distinctly he was cured and could see everything clearly. Listen, Jesus had in mind more than a partial healing. Jesus had in mind more than just letting the man see light. He had more in mind than just letting the man see shapes. Jesus had the plan and did it to heal him completely. I love that, right? He was cured. Not partially, not kinda, it was cured. Jesus had more in mind than partially taking care of the issue or even good enough. He was healing the man completely. No blurry vision. He was going for that 2020 vision. See what I did there? Now, I want to ask you some questions. Should I quit? That's what, now I understand why these southern pastors do that. You all, anybody here today? We have a sweat rag or something? Squirt you with a squirt gun like Steve Furtick? Something. I get why he jumps around. Listen, stay with me. I know you ate some food. I'm going to ask you some questions. Now, if the, what if the blind man, picture, he's blind. Stay with me. The man is blind. We already established. Do blind people ever get to see? Fully blind people? No. So then your buddies come up to you. You're blind, and your buddies go, hey, I want to take you to Jesus. I hear this guy's feeding people with like seven loaves of bread. My buddy Tommy saw it. He may not have been there. What would you do? I'm going to tell you what I'd do. I'm not doing this. This is stupid. He is not fixing. This is impossible. Come on, man. Let's just go see this Jesus guy, right? That's Jesus in Spanish. Anyway, no, there's no point going to see this Jesus guy. It's not possible for the blind to see. He could have done that, right? Would we have thought he was crazy to do that? No. And what would have happened? He would have missed the miracle. He would have missed the miracle because he limited God. All right, that's step one. Maybe he did. Okay, he gets there. What if the man had pulled away after Jesus? This one's a little deeper. What if the man had pulled away from Jesus after he had spit on him? He might have said, oh my goodness, I can see shapes. Thank you. He's backing away. Thank you so much. This is the greatest thing in the world. I can see light. Awesome. This is good enough. And he runs away. He, was, he settled for the good enough. What if he'd have done that? I don't deserve any better of this. Thank you. I was completely blind. Now at least I can see shapes. Yes, he would have missed a miracle. He would have missed the miracle by settling for what was good enough. Here's the thing. I know it's tired and you're late. It's late. And I always say this. You're going to get out of these things what you want. But what I'm telling you is the truth. And I, want, I want you to think about this for yourself. How many times do we, do you, let the good enough make you give up on the miracle. How many times do you settle for good enough because you don't believe in a miracle? Faith isn't believing in good enough. That's humanness. Faith is believing what? In the miraculous, in the things not yet seen, not possible. Listen, guys, I want, I'm talking to individuals in the room because I asked you earlier, and I hope you did it. If you did, that means you're struggling. If you thought of something that's, that's in life, whether it's, man, I could go real deep. I could go like, you want to love your spouse. You're already in it. You want to love them. Maybe you don't even have a bad marriage, but you know in your heart you, don't, you really want other people. You're looking, and you hate that, and it's never going to go away. Whatever. Sometimes God, oftentimes, when I see in the Bible, is that God lets the odds get stacked against him. Not because he wants to torture you, 
not because he wants to punish you, but because he wants you to know how big he is. He wants to show you that he is not the God of good enough, but he is the God of miracles. And sometimes we're stubborn. You ever notice that? How many times has something happened in your life, even small, and you're like, that was probably God, and then your mind goes, I mean, that's a coincidence. It probably would have happened anyway. Because you, you're human. Sometimes God's got to go big so that he can just go, what's your excuse now? Because even when a man was raised from the dead, Jesus said that. If they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't believe even if a man is raised from the dead. He said that before. Oof, that's so deep. We'll always make excuses. Sometimes you might be in the middle of a situation that's impossible, and you're like, I keep praying. Why isn't he coming? Why isn't he coming? Because he wants to let that wave get real big so you see how big the miracle is. I mean that. Not to punish you, not to, because you, in doing that, your faith increases, right? Right now, in your situation, you think that God's forgotten you? You think that God can't come through? You think he won't come through? When the truth is, he's saying, hold on, I got something big to show you. And if you don't believe in that kind of God, what are you doing here? If you call yourself a Christian, why? What are you following? There's way easier man-made religions. Way more fun. He wants you to see how big he is and how far he will go for you. He let the Israelites get backed up to a sea with an army coming at him. You ever think of that? Why did he do that? He could have told them to go anywhere. You, I mean, it's a setup. It's a divine setup. Not to scare them, because now we're talking about a miracle. There's no way out. There's literally no way out. And God had to say, you've been gone so long. i got to remind you who I am. I'm the great I am. Oof, you see that? Parts Red Sea. Oh, man, there's a giant calling people out. Everyone's scared. I could pick that big muscular rock-looking guy. Nope. Let me pick the little shepherd scrawny boy. I mean, even that, we're like, that's cute. Literally picture that. Picture... I don't know, the biggest guy you can think of, the rock right now. And then let's picture, uh, I don't know, Miles, right? Let's go get him. You don't know who Miles is. He's a tiny little angry kid. Runs around. <laughs> I do love him, though. His mom's going to kill me later. Uh, how about a guy that was dead? Did you know Jesus brought a dead man back before he came back? Lazarus? I love it. He's walking along. I, I, I'm smiling, but I wouldn't have loved it if I was his sister's. And they're telling him to hurry, and he's taking his time. I just picture he's tying his shoes real slow. Come on, what are you doing? He's literally dying. You're like, I know. Stop, get a drink of coffee, right? Walk on. Someone comes. They're literally, by the time he gets there, and it's, we say it like she's sad when she's like, he's already dead. I think she was like, he's already dead. And he goes, perfect. Now I can show you what I can do. Get up. Come out. Is that just a story to you? Some of you, you've been trained to say no, right? But is it just a story to you? Or a blind man I just told you about. Well, you know what's crazy about this story and this miracle is you know Jesus wasn't done yet. He kept doing miracles. <laughs> and then he kept upping the ante every time. I'm going to show you how big I can be. I'll walk on some water. I'll calm a stormy sea. I'll bring a dead man back to life. Now I'm going to do something even crazier. I'm going to die and come back. And I'm going to tell you I'm going to do it. He wasn't done. He ended up conquering sin and death. I know, that's Christianese, right? You already know that. You don't really let yourself think about it. I don't. 
He's not done. He's not done. And even now, after being raised from the dead and going to be with the Father, we know from the Bible that he's still not done in the big scheme of things. Not only did he conquer sin or death, but he's going to come back and finish what he started and fix everything. (sighs) When I say that, I just like, I can breathe. Because it doesn't matter elections, and it doesn't matter COVIDs, and it doesn't matter wars, and it doesn't matter disasters. If we believe in who we say we believe, we already know that he's not done yet. And sometimes he's got to let that storm get real big so we go even crazier when he says, enough. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Right? So, I want to give you guys, I know you love lists. I try, I struggle with them, but I give them to you. Only three-parter because I struggle with them. Three-part list on, ready? Waiting for the miracle. You like that? Waiting for the miracle. I'm serious though. Three things. One, we can take from that. Go to God expectantly. You see, here's the thing, James. Sometimes we go to God, but we don't really expect him to move. You're just supposed to do it. It's sort of like going and looking for a four-leaf clover. I've already got my lucky rabbit's foot. I've crossed my fingers. I've hopped four times. I've done my ritual. I'll pray just in case. No, that's not what it is. If you're hungry, go ask your father for some bread, and he might give you a steak. That's what he does. If you don't like steak because you're a vegan, whatever that would be. Go to God expectantly. Expect him to move because he wants that. He wants to do things for us. Guys, this isn't a, like, I need to be careful because we're going to talk about the heresy. We're not talking like, hey, if you pray for a million dollars right now, God's going to give you a million dollars. He knows what he needs of your heart. That's not what I'm saying. That's silly. People think that, right? I'm also, I'm not going to tell you if you sow a seed to me that you're going to get 100 times. I'm not doing any of that. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that God wants to move in your life and in your situation. I don't know how, but I know that I have to believe his promises. I will never leave you or forsake you, right? He says that. In Hebrews, it talks about that he will equip us more than enough that we need for a given situation. That's a promise. That's not one of those that's kind of like, eh, it could be ready either way. It's either he's telling the truth or he isn't. Do you go to him expecting him to move? Not knowing how he's going to move. You can ask him to move however you want. You can ask for the million dollars. I'm not telling you not to. Pray for all things, right? All prayers and petitions. I would ask why you want a million exactly. Seems a little weird, but he'll come through. Sometimes he comes through by changing your heart, making you content. Number two, I like this one. Don't be afraid of the spit. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Listen, I told you that God is going to move in your life. I didn't tell you or promise you it was going to be easy or clean. I just told you he's going to move. When the spit comes, whatever that looks like, maybe it's the tough times. Maybe it's those uh, 12 a.m. fights with your spouse as you're trying to Follow the Bible and not let the sun go down in your anger. Maybe it's all those types of things. Maybe it's uh, the grind when you're, you know, you're looking for work and it's like, yeah, God comes through, but it's only a little bit at a time, right? And you're like, okay, you're giving me 20 bucks at a time. Can't you just give me 500 at once? I don't know. Have you ever seen little things like that? I don't know what it is. But don't be afraid of the spit. Don't be afraid of how he's doing it. Trust the process. Trust the process. I can't tell you how many times that in the moment... One of these days, I may do my actual full testimony. I don't talk about it a lot, but it's crazy. And we all, you guys have crazy stories too, and I want to hear them all. But it's pretty crazy. But I'm telling you right now, in the midst of mine, the one that where God said, where I said, God, do whatever you need to do, 
I literally said this. Don't say it unless you mean it. Do whatever it takes to get me out of this. Woo. Agony. Because <laughs> I was real trapped. In the middle of it, you couldn't have told me that I would be here today doing what I'm doing. I promise you that. Because many times I was just like, this is gross. <laughs> this is spit. How is this going to help me see? Don't limit. If you're not going to limit what God's going to do, don't put him in box and how he's going to do it. Okay? Don't be afraid of the spit. Number three, imagine somebody like just seeing this video and they have no context and it just says, don't be afraid of the spit. That's what I'm going for. Number three, this is a big one. Remember, he's not done. Sometimes I, life is hard. People hurt people. And guys, we're living in such uncertain times. I can't even sit here and tell you. I, I don't know. I do know that trials and tribulations come for God's people. That's real. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if, I can't tell you that your finances are going to turn around tomorrow. I can't tell you that your marriage is going to be perfect tomorrow. I can't tell you that that depression is going to fade tomorrow. But I can tell you this, it can. And I can tell you the best thing of all is if you keep holding on and remembering he's not done, here's a promise I can give you. He's going to wipe away every tear because there will be no more crying or pain or death anymore. For behold, the old things have passed away and the new has come. That's the promise. I've said it many times, in the scheme of eternity, even 50 years is very small. The best news I can give you is he's not done with any of this. You've already won. It's the truth. But I also believe that we limit him, and I believe he does want to, he wants to answer our prayers. I think he wants to show up. I think he cares about the things that we think he doesn't care about. I do. Why? Because he's a good father. And if a good father on this earth cares about his children's little things, why would our heavenly father not? If our earthly father is willing to go hunt, you know, on Christmas Eve for that toy that's so annoying, you've seen it, you've got to fight for it, Furby or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is. And they're willing to do it and scrap and fight and do whatever it takes to get it. Why? They do it because they love you enough to care about this little robotic creature, <laughs> You don't think your father in heaven cares about the things you think are too small? Because listen, you ready for this? In the big scheme of the mission of Christ, where he's conquering death and Satan, a blind man doesn't seem that important. But it's important enough for him to stop, spit on him, <laughs> and heal him. She's going to come play some music. And this time is called altar time. It's your, it's your altar. This is holy ground. Did you know that? I say it, and I think you don't... Christianese again. This is holy. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this is as holy as the temple. The Holy of Holies. How do I know that? If you don't know what the Holy of Holies was, it's where the Jewish people said the Spirit of God was. He was there, and you couldn't go back there unless you were like taken care of or you could die. Right? They tied a rope to the to the leg of the high priest because sometimes he would go in there and if he wasn't right, he'd drop dead and they'd have to drag his body out. And yet here we stand because of Christ. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be. He's here. He calls us living stones, rocks, that when we roll together on a Sunday, we build the temple. This is the temple. God is here. This is, he is speaking to you in whatever ways he is. I don't pretend to speak for him. I just tell you what he says in his word. Here's what I can tell you. 
This time matters. You think it's a coincidence you were here, don't you? You think you came because your girl asked you to. You think you came because that cute boy was here. You think you came because your friend asked. You think you came because you want to play music on a stage. You think you came, you think you're watching because you just scrolled through and your buddy saw it. No, you're here for a reason at this moment. Because God is doing something. I don't know what it is. Either in your life or in your heart. But you're here for a reason. How many weeks do you come to these divine appointments and you walk away changing nothing? Because you think it's just another Sunday. Because what? That's good enough. I don't want to settle for that. Do you? Make this time count. So I want to ask you this. What's your hopeless? What's your good enough in your life that you've accepted? It's good enough. Sometimes the good enoughs make me cry for you more than could be worse. Is because I see people living a half-life because they think that's the best they can ever get. so mad at what we've done to, to Christ. What's your could be worse? Where are you? Are you saying there's no point going to God because he can't fix this? Have you, have you in your heart, is that where you're at? Some of you are. I know for a fact you are. Are you halfway through? <laughs> you can see shapes, right? Maybe things improved a little. Well, my marriage is a mess, but hey, we're not divorced. You're settling for seeing shapes. Listen to me. He is not done. He's not. Are you caught up in the spit? <laughs> Are you confused on what God is doing? And because it confuses you and you don't see how it's gonna, how this is going to help you get where you're at, that you've given up and you doubt it will happen because of how it's happening. There's no way good could be coming of this. Look how bad it is. Listen, Jesus does not do halfway. I'm going to say that again. Jesus does not do halfway. Jesus does not half heal. Jesus does not half save. Jesus does not half love. So he's not done. Jesus isn't halfway done with you and leaving you there. He said, I will finish the good work I've started in you. I know some of you in this room, you hate yourself so much because all you can see is where you're at. You forget where you came from. All you can see is all the areas that's still rough and ugly and you forget that he said, oh, but look where you used to be. I'm so proud of you. And so you stop following because you think he doesn't love you anymore because you still have the rough spots. Did you know he knew you were going to do it when he grabbed you? He knew how long it was going to take you to walk, right? Like a baby. When he grabbed you and saved you, he knew and he still did it. Don't settle for good enough. Don't settle for could be worse and don't settle because this is me and some of you in the room, maybe this speaks to you. Sometimes I think the very fact that I'm saved from hell is good enough. And so I'm okay as long as I can stay in the house. But I don't really think that he's my father that wants me there. And a lot of you live in the same place. Because the world says you don't belong, right? If they knew, they wouldn't want you there. He knows. 
He's not done. Do you believe that? Maybe you don't hear yet. Maybe you do hear. And maybe this altar time is so that this can go to here. Are you expecting God to move or just hoping? There's a difference. I always say that. It's funny, man. People want change, but they don't want change enough to walk 15 feet up front and pray at an altar. It's not that you have to. But if your pride's stopping you from doing it, oof. Are you willing to do, are you willing to expect moving forward? Even if you're not now, if the answers to those questions were no, I'm not, Todd, I'm not. I've given up. I don't believe in all this. Are you willing today to do something different? Or do you want to keep living in a half-life? See, the blind man had to do some different things to be able to see. He had to go talk to a guy he never knew. He had to let someone spit in his eye. He had to. You have to do something different to get something different. And sometimes it starts with getting on your knees. Most of the time it does, if I'm honest. So anyway, are you willing to go to God today in this moment, these next 10 minutes you get? That's a long time, isn't it? Is it? Some of you have been carrying this weight for 10 years, and you don't want to wait 10 minutes. I don't know who this is for today. I don't even like that phrase because it gets so, it's so Christianese, right? And I don't know who this is for. I don't speak for God, but I do believe this. There's people in here today that God is saying it's time of good enough. It's time, it's, 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 the time has passed for good enoughs. It could be worse is over. I don't, but whatever he's asking you to do, do it. Do it today. Maybe it's coming up and, and confessing it and letting it all out and praying with someone else. Maybe it's sitting here by yourself. Maybe it's getting on the, on the ground at your chair. I don't know what it is. It may not be, but it might be. Maybe it's laying your pride down. If you're in this room today, you don't know God, you're here for your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, dad, uncle, cousin. If you're watching online, you think you just scroll through, I want to tell you something. You don't know God, but you know life is just good enough. It'll always only be good enough. That's the best you can ever hope for without Christ. The gospel's pretty simple. I usually give him a big spiel, but I'll make it short. God made everything perfect and made us in it. And he said, you get to enjoy it, and I'm going to be with you forever, and life will be great, but you just got to let me be God and you not. You do what I say, I will tell you what right and wrong is. And you know what we did? The same thing you and I do every day. We decided, no, I decide what right and wrong is. And so because of that, sin entered the world. God could not be with us anymore. We rejected him. And in rejecting him, we rejected his holiness. And sin entered the world. It's not just the things you do. Those are symptoms. It's an infection. You can't cure it. I'm a good guy, Todd. So it was Buddha. Didn't save him. just like COVID, right? Take a, take a cough drop. You take whatever. That doesn't cure it. It just takes care of the symptoms. And so we're separated from God and we've wandered around aimlessly trying to figure out how to have more than good enough. <laughs> so here's the deal. 
Thousands of years of human existence have shown us what it's like when the creation walks away from the creator. Sin, death, destruction, all that nastiness. The way the world is today is because of that. So, what do we do? Well, God had a plan. He loves us that much that he made a way for us to come home. Someone had to pay the price for our mistake, period. And before you say, that doesn't seem fair. Well, let me come in your house, steal your stuff, shoot your mom, your dad, your uncle, your dog, and then let me off scot-free because I say I'm sorry. That's not just. God is good and God is just. So there has to be punishment. Someone has to take the penalty, and Jesus Christ did. God is, came down to the form of man, sent his son, Jesus Christ, his one and only Jesus showed us how to live, perform miracles, and he died on the cross. And on the cross, he took our punishment so that you never have to. And then on the third day, he was raised from the dead. He conquered death. And you will too if you put your faith in him. I get it. Sounds crazy. Sounds miraculous because it is. So how do you do that? How do you have more than good enough? You want to know? You got to believe. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. What about all my good works? That comes later. It starts with a simple confession. I don't want to do it my way anymore. So whatever, guys, I don't know. You do what you need to do, but I tell you this. If you leave the same as you came in today, when you know right now, and I'm not, if you know right now God's speaking to you, and you leave the same as you came in, shame on you for settling for good enough. Because if you leave the same as you came in, you are choosing to.